0: Movies and musicals on RTE Lyric FM. Sponsored by IFI at Home. The new streaming service from the Irish Film Institute. Come home to film. Come home to ifihome.ie. The Virgin Media Dublin International Film Festival will launch on Wednesday and will take place from February 23rd to March 6th in cinemas and with a selection of films also available online. Now, we'll have further details next Saturday, but we can let you in on one of the events this afternoon. Celebrations of music and film have been highlights of the festival over the last two decades. And this year, the festival will welcome acclaimed composer Neil Brand, who will present an evening of music by comedy duo Laurel Hardy, fully illustrated with stills, clips, both silent and sound, and Neil's wonderful piano accompaniment, and culminating in two of the boys' best silent short films, Big Business and Liberty. Now, Neil Brandt has been accompanying Silent Films for over 17 years. And yes, this is the same Neil Brandt who has presented Sound of Cinema, the music that made the movies, and more recently Sound of the Musicals on BBC4, exploring how musical theatre evolved over the last 100 years. So Neil Brand knows his stuff. And Neil, it's a pleasure to welcome you to Movies and Musicals. How are you this afternoon? Well,
1: very well, thank you. It's lovely to be back.
0: Well, indeed, it's great to have you back. And just before we come to Laurel and Hardy, I, you know, I know listeners have been in touch with me over, over the past, a few months, even when, when the Sound of the Musicals was showing there on BBC4. Mm. And I couldn't help thinking it's been a really strong year for, for musicals on screen and The Heights, West Side Story, Annette, Tick, Tick, mm. Boom, Cyrano's coming up. Do you think, Neil, part of this is that the awfulness of the pandemic that as audiences we, we needed that escapism of musicals?
1: I think that has made a big difference, yes. But there's another reason, too. And I think it's simply down to one title, which is The Greatest Showman. Uh, I think that made such a big impact right the way across all of cinema and also musicals as well. Families got to know the show very, very quickly. Everybody was singing the songs. The schools picked them up. The colleges picked them up. And so I think all of the movie studios have been going, right, we want some of that greatest showman action. (laughs) And uh, they've done a more or less extremely good job of turning these these shows into films. I was very taken with The West Side Story of Steven Spielberg, although I had my reservations. But it has to be said, it is a great partner to go alongside the original 1961 version, I think. Mm-hmm. I thought In the Heights was great. I absolutely love TikTok tock Boom yeah. because there is something about the fact that Lin-Manuel Miranda loves so much the, the music that he's working with there and particularly the composer he's working with. So it it feels like a very fresh take on how cinema can make a musical work. I love the fact, if you haven't seen the film, <clears throat> they actually do cut to Andrew, Andrew Garfield on a stool on a stage with a band behind him yeah. socking the number across the footlights towards the camera. Now, it's very seldom you see that, as part of a musical which on film is intended to be realism obviously it's mm. it's happening with Liza Minnelli in Cabaret but to actually have staginess put across on a film screen I think is unusual and when it's done is absolutely wonderful. You have to remember to breathe.
0: Yeah, that's very true and I loved Andrew Garfield in it. What, what, what a find when you really? realise these guys can also sing. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's great. <laughs> now, now, during these BBC Four shows, Neil, uh, we once again got to see how you can just sit at the piano, play away so brilliantly. I have to say it's the kind of piano playing I envy, you know, be it that you're playing a theme or accompanying a singer as we'll see in Dublin then accompanying a short film. I was just wondering were you like many of us sent off to piano lessons as a kid? Did it come naturally to you? Did you always love it?
1: Well, I was very lucky, but I, I, like a lot of people, I was sent for piano lessons. But I was able to play the piano by ear, uh-huh. and so I could sit at the piano and play away for you know hours, actually. And in fact, it became a bit embarrassing because I didn't want to go to my piano lessons because <laughs> I found playing the notes too boring. Whereas I could sit there and just play on my own. And at the time, as well, we're talking you know 1970s, there was no credit. Paid to being able to improvise at all. So I was just looked on as messing around when I was doing that. But uh, I think times have changed now. I work with uh, piano players who are about to leave the Royal Academy of Music having done a postgraduate piano course. So they're going to go out into the concert hall. And I work with them on how to improvise to a silent film. And that really? is just so lovely. And quite often you're dealing with someone who's just walked away from playing a Rachmaninoff piano concerto. Mm. You ask them to make something up. And they stare at the keyboard, not sure where to begin. Oh, it's a whole it's different skill. They get, they can, <laughs> you know, it can get very
0: <laughs> challenging if you don't have the notes in front of you and if that has been your training.
1: Yeah, but then the way it's intended to help is that it also opens things up for them a little bit. They, they find the music that's inside them over the course of the year that I'm working with them. And then they can bring that individuality to the way that they play the classics. So it's a very nice way of getting under the skin of people, particularly under the skin of musicians. And I'm pleased it has a bigger cachet now than it had when I was growing up. No, that's
0: really interesting because we often hear in drama classes, improvisation is a huge thing. We don't hear about it as much in music in terms of teaching that skill.
1: No, and I think what's useful with the silent films is that what it's doing is it's inspiring the musicians to come out with music. They're sat in front of a scene where, I don't know, someone is chatting away to somebody else, unaware that that person's about to tell them they've just killed someone. So how do you find the music to fit that scene? So that actually gives them something to put music to, it gives them something to inspire. So you're not talking in abstract terms, like, you know, play me something happy, play me something slow. Yeah. You're actually saying, here's the situation, what is your perfect music to go underneath that scene? And with seven different piano players, you get seven completely different pieces of music and seven completely different takes.
0: Gosh, there's a whole documentary there you're going to have to make, I think. (laughs) 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 Can I ask you to to bring us back to the silent days uh, for audiences Mm. who were attending the the silent Laurel and Hardy films then? Mm. What was the music being played?
1: Well, with the silent Laurel and Hardys, which is what I'm dealing Mm. with, um, probably there would have been no music supplied at all. Okay. So it would have been down to the local bands to play something that felt right. And particularly with a short comedy like that, they wouldn't have spent a lot of time finding music that fitted. They'd have played up-tempo, bright, breezy music that would allow the boys to do their thing. Once the sound movies come in and once laurel and hardy are doing sound films you've then got you know wonderful composers actually writing proper music for laurel and hardy but what i'm doing in dublin is i'm showing my favorite clips from their silent days and telling the story of the two of them how they came together what they were like before they met how they developed their comedy and then able to show a couple of movies which i think are amongst the greatest comedies ever made but each time I play them, I play them differently. So how I play Big Business and Liberty in Dublin uh, next month will be different to the last time I played those films because I can't remember what I played okay. last time. <laughs> I must have played these films something like 30 or 40 times each over my life. And each time it's a bit different. And that's a real challenge because it's lovely. It brings out in me. Where I am at the moment, obviously all my love for what they do, the laughs, the construct and the rest is all there in the music, but it's different notes. That's
0: really interesting because you could think, you know, memory could come into it and you could just keep playing the, the, the same notes, but it's, it's always different.
1: It is. And it's, it's, a, it's a, like a refreshment mm. for me to come up with something new, I've always felt over the years that it's another lucky element of maturing as a musician that I've been able to just sit down in front of a film and start to play and then let that film work on me and produce music yeah. from there. And it's a, it is a little bit like Well, it's a little bit like giving your brain a workout as well. It's very concentrated, especially if you're playing for a feature of a couple of hours' length. You really are deep inside that film and it's drawing music out of you. Quite often it's drawing music out of me that I've not heard before so I'm hearing stuff and I go, oh that's nice Yeah. and then as I've got older I can't remember it by the time I get to the end of the film. I'd love to go away and write it down and create a symphony but you know But it's it's a really
0: interesting insight you give because as you say for the Dublin audience you're going to be playing something that nobody will have heard before even you. (laughs) It's complete complete improvisation. Let's talk a little about Laurel and Hardy, um, Neil Mm. because uh, you know I was actually just watching the film Stan and Ollie there recently which which beautifully brought, you know, part of their trip to Ireland towards the the struggle towards the end of their career. um, Really interesting. But bring us back to their heyday, you know, considered the greatest comedy duo. What, What are your early memories of seeing them and them having an impact on you?
1: Well, I think like most people, I first came across them on daytime TV because they were aimed particularly at kids by the TV companies, even though it's quite adult comedy. And with Laurel and Hardy, things get out of hand and get quite violent quite quickly as well. <laughs> but I do remember that I've always felt close to them, closer to them somehow or other as people than ever I felt about Charlie Chaplin or Buster Keaton or Harold Lloyd or any of the other greats of the silent period. And it's as if they're still the most recognizable for me. They're, I don't know if you had this, but when I was little, And I was going to an adult party. I always looked for the funny uncle who would make you laugh, (laughs) who would let you dance on their feet. Do you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. And I just I think that's who I thought I thought they were. They were my family somehow. They were the ones who made me laugh. And as I've grown up, I've realized that that's what's great about them is that they're very accessible. They kind of welcome you in. Charlie Kaplan doesn't always do that. Buster Keaton certainly doesn't, because Buster lives in a world of strange existentialist stuff, which mm. is all setting out to kill him. Yes. Whereas Laurel and Hardy are just trying to get through the day. And <laughs> even now, that feels to me really quite something we could all, rela- you know, we yeah. can all relate to. And of course, they you know, couldn't have
0: been more, more different, you know, which, which made them comedy no. gold as they worked together.
1: They did. And what's lovely is that actually Stan, as the one who is the sort of quieter one, the one with who obviously doesn't realise he's dumb, and seems dumb, is actually the one who's driving the partnership. He's, as Stan and Ollie brought out very Mm. well, he's the one who comes up with the ideas. Ollie is the one who kind of will go along with them and will do whatever's needed for the filming, but then he wants to get off to the golf course. But the two of them make this fantastic sort of double act whereby Ollie thinks he's smarter than Stan. Whereas actually they're both as dumb as each other. <laughs> and the beauty of that thing of every now and then you see Ollie trying to pull 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 rank on Stan and Stan kind of lets him. But we know that this is just a prelude to Ollie coming off with a horrible thing happening to him much, much worse than would have happened to Stan. Yeah, that's and very that, true. That's it's very clever. Yeah. And I love the fact that it's both unpredictable quite often but it's also, there's other times it's massively predictable. You just know. You're waiting. <laughs> You're waiting, exactly. Stan is on the end of a plank. Ollie's on the other end of the plank. And Stan <laughs> is soaring through the plank. Yeah. And you watch him for like two or three minutes trying to get through this because, you know, and determined to do a good job. And all that's going to happen at the end of the day is his partner on the other end is going to fall out exactly. the window and a bucket of bricks <laughs> will crash on him.
0: <laughs> you wrote a, a play about Stan, didn't you?
1: I did. I did. And did you really get under very... his skin
0: do you, find, do you with, with that process?
1: I'd like to think so. Mm. It was written about Stan and Ollie's final meeting, because we do know that when Ollie had had a stroke and was in bed and couldn't speak, Stan would go and visit him and he'd just sit with him. And it was partially to deal with my own father's death, which I, I wasn't able to see my dad uh, uh, when he died, I wasn't there, mm. and that thing of having a, of a double act, having you know unfinished business, but I also had the absolutely great Jim Norton to play Stan. Oh, for
0: wonderful! Me. Wow, and,
1: and he did the most fantastic job. He wasn't a particularly a big Stan and Ollie fan. And he sat and watched all the films. He came in for the first day of filming. I think he was only cast a couple of days before we began the filming. And he just was Stan. And ever since then, Jim has become a very, very close friend. And I, I, I've got a little clip of the film as part of my show so that people can see Jim being Stan Laurel. Oh, wonderful. And it's just beautiful. And it, it, it still makes my heart. I, even now, I, I fill up when I think about how, how well he and Trevor Cooper, who played... Ollie, how well they did that job. Oh,
0: perfect casting, it sounds like. So just yeah. uh, to come finally to, to give audiences an idea uh, of, of what they can expect. It's going to happen. You've a beautiful venue, firstly, in the Lighthouse Cinema, 1.30 on Saturday the 26th of uh, February as part of the Dublin International Film Festival. You mentioned there clips and things as well. Uh, so give us an idea when we go in, what, what will be ahead of us?
1: Well, I shall be there to sort of MC. I'll take you through the story. I will sit and play the piano. Um, I'll be talking through some of the gags. I will basically put across as much as I can of my love and pleasure in these films, both in the music and in the words. And then with the two films in the second half, I'll just leave you to it. I will get on and play the piano and I will keep stum, because you don't need me. They are just brilliant pieces of film and brilliant pieces of comedy. And I absolutely guarantee how low you may be feeling doesn't matter when you walk in. You will walk out 25 feet off the ground.
0: <laughs> how, how could we refuse? Neil Brand, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, those details again, Neil Brand uh, will present an evening of music with the uh, comedy duo Laurel and Hardy, fully illustrated with stills, clips, both silent and sound, and Neil's piano accompaniment, as he mentioned there, culminating in two of the boys' best silent short films, Big Business and uh, Liberty as part of the Virgin Dublin International Film Festival, running from February 23rd to March 6th and uh, Neil Brown's event happening at the Lighthouse Cinema one thirty on Saturday the 26th of February. Neil, just before we go, you you uh, you wrote a little track from one of your albums called Laurel and Hardy. Hey. Could I ask you to introduce it?
1: Yes, I wrote a load of piano tracks which kind of summed up how I would accompany the film that went with them and with Laurel and Hardy I just thought to myself what is it that makes them work musically and I did a nice little sort of slow ragtime that every now and then stops and kind of works out where it is next and that's this piece of music.